We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. And special guest today, we got big-time Brooklyn Nets fan, D-Rock. Guys, how are we doing today? It's an absolute well. to have D-Money on the show. The man, the myth, the legend. That's right. That's right. Brooklyn in the house. So this is something we like to do every year. You know, we're going to try to do it more. We did it once last year, hopefully a couple times. We wanted to get our guy D-Rock on, you know, big-time listener of the buzz. We've met him at Nets games, big-time Nets fan. Get his opinion on the offseason so far and how things have kind of rolled out. Before we get started, though, always quick reminder, check us out, iTunes, Block Talk Radio, OTGBasketball.com, NetsRepublic.com, Google Play, Dash Radio, and YouTube. Any subscriptions and reviews are much appreciated, but obviously we got to get your thoughts instantly what were your thoughts when Katie and Kyrie news dropped and you knew they were going to be Brooklyn Nets? It was just smiles ear to ear. I I kind of expected it to happen. You hear everything leading from Kyrie, definite, almost a definite. Uh, Puccio was reporting it. Uh, Stephen A. Smith was going crazy hearing about Kevin Durant uh, possibly coming to Brooklyn. And it just seemed like all the stars aligned. So when Wolves was dropping his bombs... I just had to sit back, raise my glass, and say, Sean Marks, job well done. Look at where he's brought us from. You know, three years ago, we gave Boston the number three pick. Then the year after, we gave them the number one pick. And this year, you know, we had D'Angelo Russell doing his thing. Uh, we made the playoffs, surprised a lot of folks, and had a okay showing in the playoffs but we definitely put ourselves on the map and just seeing all the hard work that everybody from Sean Marks to Kenny Atkinson to the players put in to be rewarded this way definitely definitely satisfying and definitely to the expected you know a lot of people had their doubts they couldn't believe it but me I was just sitting back and soaking it all in like this is this is this is what it's worth this is definitely the move you told us you were done at an Applebee's before the show. Do you give us a bit more detail on that one, my dude? Because uh, I'm not, I've been to Applebee's once or twice. Funnily enough, it was actually after a Nets game because it was like the only place that was open. Their mod sticks are pretty fine. I'll give them that. Um, but give us some more details on that. I want the personal side of D-Rock. What, where were you? What was going on? Where was the where was the phone happening? Where were the wage bombs dropping? Okay, so I live in Bed-Stuy, so Spike Lee had his block party right up the block from me. So after church, I went and did my laundry and came back, tried to find parking, couldn't even get within two blocks of my house, so I knew what was going on. And because my wife is away in Trinidad and Tobago, nobody's home to cook, and I'm not a cook. (laughs) So I decided to take myself to Applebee's and say, you know what, I'm going to just sit back and watch the fireworks go off for this free agency. And uh, the waitress brought me my food. Bought me my drink. I ordered a Long Island iced tea nice. and uh, had two of them. <laughs> I had two of them. And just watching the Wolves Bobs drop, you know, from Kevin Durant's going to make his decision on the boardroom at 6 p.m. to about 5.15 or so 
Wolds drops. He's definitely signing with Brooklyn to Kyrie. You know, it's a clean sweep. Kyrie, KD, and DeAndre Jordan will be coming to Brooklyn. And going back and forth because there were some Nets fans in there and there was a couple of Knicks fans in there with their shirts on. And I had to rub it in their face because, you know, these are the guys that they were going after. And look how you guys struck out, you know, celebrating with some Nets fans in there, uh, gave a toast to one brother in there. It was definitely a, a, a party in Brooklyn. Definitely a party at Applebee's. <laughs> how, how poetic that you were having iced teas. Like you were literally sipping the teas when it happened mm-hmm. in front of the Knicks fans. It's, it's In beautiful. Long Island iced teas, it's like the roots of the Nets. Oh man, <laughs> they couldn't be more perfect. It's Alex Morgan style, LeBron James style sipping the iced tea. But did you guys see the uh, Bobby Porter sort of report coming out that he said he knew it was going to happen in February? What did you guys think of that? That that doesn't surprise me because you know these players they're all plugged in, uh, and it's funny because you hear a guy like Colin Cowherd a, a month ago or so he was reporting he's hearing from players both within the league and outside of the league former players that KD is a lock to the Knicks. Uh, I don't know which players he was talking to. Maybe it was Enos Cantor who he had on the show a couple of times, and maybe uh a former retired Nick player, but for Bobby Portis to say that, you know, these guys are plugged in, you know, they're talking with each other on the phone and for him to know that information, he could be lying, but I don't doubt him. I'm not going to doubt him either. Um, you know, these guys are all plugged in. They know each other, you know, even if it's not hanging out every day, something like that, these guys are plugged in. So for him to say that doesn't surprise me much. Yeah, I think it just like kind of echoes the fact that maybe the Nets, you know, we view this and obviously a lot of people around the league, the Nets are the better organization and you're still going to be in the city and there's two max spots like, hey, the Nets are in a better spot than the Knicks. We know on that roster is just a ton of young guys. They weren't going to be able to kind of fill, uh, surround Katie and Kyrie with the same type of players that Brooklyn has and uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, Akaris Laverta, Joe Harris, Rodions, Jared Allen. There's just a lot of different guys on the board that could help them. So I think from a player's perspective, especially because, you know, when you're a player and you're not as much the media you're not talking about it necessarily marketing or you know a franchise history you're talking about winning games and i think from a player perspective the nets were in a better situation to win games with kd and kyrie than the knicks yeah and funnily enough you know if the fact that it was coming around february you know you think about all-star break when kd and, and kyrie are about to realign again things were sort of you know worsening in boston so i mean players talk and i think that when you know, you have 82 games and you're versing each other. You know, you're getting dinners with each other. I just posted a thread of DeAndre and Kevin Durant and their sort of history of friendship. You know, these guys, like sort of Derek was saying, you know, they know around the wings. You know, you don't need Woj or Shams or, or Chris Haynes, you know, dropping bombs to know that, you know, the, the, the interest was there about Brooklyn. And funnily enough, you know, we've seen more and more lately in relation to the Knicks that those sort of rumors were almost unfounded in the fact that, you know, it was always going to be Brooklyn to, to an extent, you know, whether James Dolan offered the, the, the max contract or not. But uh, it, it's good to see that uh, Brooklyn is putting themselves on the map, just like the Clippers are. Uh, the little brothers are turning into the big brothers. We hit that growth spurt real quick. Thanks, Sean Mark. <laughs> um, but <laughs> D-Rock, like, what does it mean? Like, obviously, let's talk about the players a little bit. Like, getting Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, like, what are your thoughts on acquiring two of the best players in the NBA? Obviously, KD went healthy, top two, top three. Kyrie's about top 10, top 12. What are your thoughts on these guys being in a Brooklyn Nets uniform in this upcoming season, possibly, and then for KD probably the next year? Well, it's definitely cementing our legitimacy to have – two of the biggest superstars in free agency come with us, the little brother. And if I may just talk on that a bit, I am a younger brother to my older brother. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm definitely rubbing it in his face as well because, you know, big brother is a Knicks fan and little brother is the Nets fan. So just makes me feel good, you know, looking at that Clipper situation as well, seeing how they got their two guys and how they're going to battle. But for us in Brooklyn, you know, the move to Brooklyn from New Jersey, uh, just everything solidifying with this free agency, the, the hard work, the foundation that we put in. So KD, probably top three player in the league when he's healthy, maybe even top two. Some would argue the best player in the league. Kyrie Irving, probably the second best point guard in the league, uh, typically behind Steph Curry. 
to have those two guys come to our team and see the infrastructure, see the coaching, see the general managing, and even see the support from the owner, because that's quite a 180 from the first time Prokhorov tried to get a few stars in here, but it went completely south. So to see us do it the right way and to be rewarded with two of the top stars, superstars in the league, it's it's just very fulfilling, very fulfilling. What did you think about the other additions they made? Obviously, we kind of hinted DeAndre Jordan, Garrett Temple, Wilson Chandler. What do you like about adding these other vets? Well, adding some of the vets like DeAndre Jordan, Garrett Temple, definitely going to help up our young guys. You know, we lost we lost um, Jared Dudley, who was one of my favorites. And it's funny, too, because it, I, I, I was hating on him a bit when the season started because he was taking some minutes from Rodion's Kuruks and some of the other young guys. But, you know, that veteran leadership definitely helped mold our players, you know, even D'Angelo Russell at the time when he was going through his struggles at the start of the season. Uh, so the fact that we can add some veteran players specifically at some key spots, right? So DeAndre Jordan, he can back up, maybe even start, you know, we'll see how that winds up going. But let's say he comes off the bench behind Jared Allen, you know, he can teach him a few things about positioning, where to stand on defense, how to see the entire court, maybe instead of just simply looking at his man. Uh, tips on reading the defense, things like that. Garrett Temple, been in the league a while. And even Sean Marks tried to trade for him. Trade deadline passed in February. I think the trade was uh, for him, and we was going to give up Alan Crabb. So just another veteran in there to continue helping our guys along. You know, some of the guys like Zan and Musa, you know, second year in the league. Uh, he's definitely going to learn a few things from everybody that's on the team. And uh, I think there's an open roster spot as well to perhaps add another person. So we'll see what Sean Marks does with that spot. But uh, just continuing the process and the progress that we've made. You know, first round was last season. This season, we're definitely looking for more progress as we continue to build and to add on to what we've already accomplished. And what would you say is expectation in your eyes? And Jack, you can answer this too, going into this upcoming season. You know, is it second round exit, Eastern Conference Finals, top four seed? What are you thinking in terms of expectations for this year with obviously the likelihood that KD doesn't suit up? Well, definitely with the addition of Kyrie and DeAndre Jordan, um, if you look at the production that Kyrie can put forth compared to DeAngelo Russell, you would say that it's an upgrade there. Adding a guy like DeAndre Jordan, he's replacing Ed Davis. I think you can get a little bit more out of him as well. And even the rookie, Nicholas Claxton, uh, probably can fill in at the four behind Rodion's Kuruks, who looks a little bigger, looks a little stronger as well. And these guys just coming back with the experience that they had last year. Definitely the floor is second-round appearance. If things break well for us, depending on who we play in the second round, I would put us in the conference finals. That would be my that would be my expectation for this team. But definitely second round, and depending on who we play, even on parents in the conference finals. Yeah, I'd probably say second round too. Stephen Bondi, I think, said summer league, and he chatted to Toy and Prince, and uh, he said, and I'm quoting uh, Prince here: "Now it's championship talk. That's all you've got to think about. It's what we've got to work towards. We've got to do exactly what we've got to do to get." there whether it's with Kevin Durant or without him so um lofty aspirations I'm, I'm not necessarily on the on the same sort of bandwagon but you know things break our way there's certainly like sort of Derek was alluding to we've added value at literally every position we've improved the roster pretty much in terms of depth and at, at every position obviously you know you're losing locker room and chemistry guys but there's certainly extra talent there you know a guy like Wilson Chandler I think at the three and the four wing position um, that last roster position does it go to uh, another guy? Does it go to Theo Pinson? Uh, not 100% sure there, but I'm sure either way, our roster looks pretty solid. And, you know, I think that the number one thing for me is if we can get the same chemistry as what we had last season with this roster, which is an increase in talent, then I think a second round, uh, a second round exit or a second or at least a first round win uh, has to be the goal. Yeah, I think when you add a player like Kyrie, the goal has to be get past the first round. You know, last year you got knocked down the first round. And like Jack mentioned, you think you're upgrading the roster. And one thing I like about the roster, and I've talked about this in the last couple of shows, is there's a chance for improvement from a lot of different guys. 
There's a chance Karis LeVert's going to be better. Rodion's is going to be better. Torian Prince is going to be better. Jared Allen. Like, there's still other guys that haven't hit their ceiling, so I think that gives you some confidence. And then just the overall feel and the fit of the team I think is really good. You have some guys on the wing now that give you a little bit more athleticism and a little bit more size, and that's something they really struggled with. So I think the floor, like you guys mentioned, second-round exit's what you want. And if you get the right matchup, if you don't have to face Milwaukee or Philadelphia in that second round, Eastern Conference Finals is a real possibility. Like, there's a, definitely a chance you can beat, you know, Milwaukee, a non-Milwaukee or Philadelphia team in that second round and, and go on to the Conference Finals. Well, that's a good question to ask right there. Who would be that fourth team that we could put in there if, if we're going to say Brooklyn is a top four team? I think you probably look at, yeah, Boston, you know, maybe yeah. outside chance for Indiana, depending on Oladipo health. Obviously, they have a lot of new pieces coming in. I do think they upgraded their roster, though, and getting a little bit more athletic. And I like the fit of a lot of guys there, just about when is Oladipo going to be back? Because we know when the playoffs come, it's about having that guy that can get you buckets when it's a 10 seconds on the shot clock, isolation situation. And no one on that roster really, you know, sticks out to you other than him that can do that. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see. I'm, I really want to see a Boston versus a Brooklyn playoff series because I seriously think you'd probably see some of the best basketball ever from Kyrie Irving. Like, he would probably put on a show. He would definitely have some extra emotions in that series. Definitely. Well, we'll definitely get that big matchup for Christmas, I believe. That that should be the first meeting between the two teams. Yeah, I would love I'm, that. I'm predicting that it's either that for Christmas or us versus the Knicks. Now, I'm not 100% mm. sure which one you're going to take, now, because I think you can probably, oh, because they're both in the Atlantic Division. So, I mean, there's going to be plenty of matchups to sort of spread out. But yeah, I think you're on the money, Derek. I think that that one probably pops more on Christmas as, as one of the early games. Yeah, Kemba versus Tyree, you know, and then I think you even probably get another Atlantic Division matchup if, you know, uh, you could probably get, if they're not going to go Nets in Boston, they'd go Philadelphia in Boston. But I think it would make more sense to put Philadelphia against like Milwaukee. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, and getting a Christmas game is actually really big for the franchise. And talking about that, how is this in your eyes, D-Rock and Jack, answer this as well, change the perspective of the Nets from around the league? Like, how has this changed, like, the Brooklyn Nets? And a lot of, like you mentioned earlier, a lot of people were surprised they signed with the team, but we weren't really necessarily as surprised because we knew they've worked hard and the culture has changed and they've gotten the respect of the NBA peers, maybe not as much as the media and the fans. But how does this change their outlook in terms of the media and the fans? Well, one thing I'll say is we've grown up within the summer. So we had the dancers on the sideline, which I absolutely love. You know, Theo Pinson, Jared Dudley was even on it. But, you know, when, when you hear about the Brooklyn Nets talk, specifically on the major shows like First Take or Un Undisputed with Shannon and Skip, you hear them mostly talking about, you know, how they're surprising a lot of folks you know i remember stephen a smith talking about the 20 point comeback against the sacramento kings and they actually got off the show with that and we caught a lot of people by surprise because you know by and large they wasn't really watching a lot of brooklyn basketball and then making the playoffs pretty much said that you know we've arrived so now adding kevin durant and kyrie you know kevin durant not playing the season but definitely adding kyrie the attention is definitely going to be there to see how good this team really is. You know, Kyrie kind of gives us that legitimacy that D'Angelo Russell necessarily couldn't because Kyrie is a former champion. Kyrie is a perennial all-star. So the perception around the league and within the media should be, let's see how good this baby brother team in New York really is. Let's see if all of the buzz we were hearing, <laughs> all of the buzz we were hearing from last season is actually legitimate. Or did they catch lightning in the bottle because, you know, they played hard and they outworked a lot of teams. Now that the talent is there, I think the expectation to win must be there. So we'll probably even see some scrutiny, uh, specifically on Kyrie, because you see how he got injured when LeBron was playing in the East and that team, that Boston team went all the way to the conference finals. They were literally a minute away from making the finals. Then Kyrie Irving comes back and they lose in the second round and a lot of blame, uh, some justified, some not got placed 
on his doorstep. So now he's coming to Brooklyn. You know, some people are expecting the chemistry to be completely off because he messed up the chemistry with Boston and how well D'Angelo Russell was doing. So he's going to have some questions to answer. And I would expect a few bumps and bruises to start the season. But once the season gets well in the way and they understand what they're trying to do and Kenny Atkinson understands the kind of player that he has in his hands, I think the, the team will definitely take off. And we'll be seeing a lot more segments, particularly in that first hour, you know, on these two-hour shows about the Brooklyn Nets and what they've accomplished in the big win over an established team that's been there, done that for the past few seasons. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I think Derek hit on the head there. I think once you start, sort of, you have the star power there, the scrutiny increases. So with that, you know, Kyrie Irving, there's going to be a microscope on him. Uh, the microscope's only going to increase for guys like Kara Severt, Jared Allen, and the rest. You know, we're no longer the sort of darlings of NBA Twitter where the, the dancing and the gifts are, are dropping a plenty. <laughs> when there's expectation now, you have to perform. And I think that's a good thing. I think, you know, a guy, Coach Kenny, is going to thrive and, and rally the, the guys around him in that sort of sense, you know. I think that there's going to be more, you know, pressure on a guy like Kenny Atkinson. You know, he's not going to be the guy who's everyone's sort of, you know, outside Coach of the Year candidate. You know, there's going to be some pressure on him. Um, I remember listening to, you know, Bill Simmons and stuff sort of saying, you know, it's now that you have Kevin Rand and Kyrie Irving. It's now their team. It's no longer Coach Kenny's team and these young guys and building around him and the culture and stuff. So... Uh, that dynamic, obviously, we know that Coach Kenny's a little more confrontational, a little more aggressive in his, in his mentality, but in a positive sort of way. In comparison to Brad Stevens, how that meshes with Kyrie Irving, you know, maybe we do get some stories on first take and and, and all the rest on ESPN. But I'm excited to see because you know when you this is what you crave as a as an organization, as a team, you want that extra spotlight, you want the fan base to increase, you want everyone the eyes on you. Uh, but the, at the end of the day. Like they were sort of saying, you've got to live up to the expectations. You've got to perform when it matters. And there's going to be, you know, bumpy roads along the way. It's all, you know, fun now having these parties, hanging at Summer League, you know, posting photos of Rock Nation on Instagram and stuff. But once it gets to October, November, when the, it starts to get that little bit tricky and, you know, you're losing games to the Phoenix Suns and, and these sort of things and those, you know, trials and tribulations start to happen, how do you respond? And how does Kyrie respond as a leader in the locker room? How does, you know, Coach Kenny and that relationship, you know, we know the relationship with D'Angelo was, you know, frosty at times, at least according to, to some people. But, you know, it was at least mutually respectful in that sort of way. So there's going to be plenty happening this season in Brooklyn Nets land, and um, we're going to be watching all of it. Yeah, you guys are spot on. Expectation and pressure is definitely going to increase. And, you know, the past few years, essentially, the Nets have been playing with house money because no one's really expected much from them. They didn't have their draft picks. But now there's stars, there's talent, and you've made the playoffs already and you improved the roster. So like Jack mentioned, you can't afford to lose games against bad teams like the Phoenix Suns or wherever it may be. you got to take care of business. And now you're expected to win some of those games against the big-time teams. And it's exciting, and that's what you look for as an organization, as you guys mentioned. Gives you more of a spotlight. Definitely going to see more nationally televised games for the Nets this year. It'll be really interesting to see how they react and how these young guys react, especially most of them haven't played in a big spotlight. If you're talking about Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, you know, Rodions, they got a little bit of that in the playoffs, but now it's going to be talked about all season long. Yep, and one more thing with the uh, Kenny Atkinson relationship with D'Angelo versus Kyrie. With D'Angelo Russell, starting the season, he had sort of a learning curve to overcome. So we saw that there were some fourth quarters that he didn't play in favor of Spencer Dinwiddie because he was actually performing better. Do you kind of see that happening now with Kyrie Irving? I wouldn't expect it because, you know, it's, it's going to be the performance expectations, right, with Kyrie. So... Kyrie Irving have improved himself now. Do you kind of see Kenny Atkinson looking to maybe bench him for a little while or maybe even for a fourth quarter or crunch time because he's doing his one-on-one -on -one thing or trying to ISO and score that way and not really getting the teammates involved, kind of ignoring the offense? Jack, yeah. you want to hop on that first? Yeah, that's a really interesting one. Uh, I, I can't see it necessarily happening. I think early on, I think there'll be more conversations about it. You know about you know you know you chose to come here, so you you need to respect the the coach uh, the 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 roles and responsibilities of a coach. So I need to do what's best for the team, and if what's best for the team is like you know you not ISOing and you kicking it out 
to whoever on the perimeter or you, you know, running more pick and rolls and, and less ISOs, uh, then, you know, here's the warning now. Um, and obviously, like we sort of alluded to in the previous sort of topic, you know, what is going to happen after that? Are there going to be ESPN reports about, you know, relationship between Coach Kenny and Kyrie Souring? And is, you know, Coach Kenny on the hot seat, all that sort of stuff. Um, I think because Kyrie Irving, unlike D'Angelo Russell, has established himself, you know, Daryl saying he's the second best point guard in the league, you know, probably second or third for me as well. I think he's probably behind Damian Lillard. Um, but, you know, I think Kyrie's built the rapport already. So we know... You have to give him that free reign to an extent because you don't want to cull the artistry that he has with his game. And we sort of saw that from, you know, D'Angelo Russell in the latter points of the season with Coach Kenny. I think Atkinson needs to go now, look, I need to let Kyrie Irving be Kyrie Irving, but what is that sort of balance between him and how he buys into the team sort of offense and the team sort of defense? Um, if he's not, you know, putting in effort on the defensive end, you know, luckily he's got a guy like Karasavit on the other end. Spencer Dimity often gives, you know, good effort, even though he doesn't necessarily have all the tools to be great there. So I think it's a balancing act and it's one that, you know, could necessarily, you know, lead to some, to some friction. But um, how they balance that throughout the season, you know, I think the most important relationship probably when it comes to a play, the players and the coach is generally between the point guard and their coach. We've seen a lot of conflict, you know, along the way with Rajan Rondo and a lot of his coaches, uh, Kyrie Irving, obviously, and, and Brad Stevens. So how that relationship is maintained and balanced and, and kept in a sort of fruitful manner is going to be key to how successful the Nets are. Yeah, I think uh, just for the fact is that Kyrie is a more established and a better player than D'Angelo Russell, and he understands what you need to do to win. And I don't think there was really a ton of times in Boston, as much as Kyrie's gotten backlash, that he didn't you know necessarily do what he was supposed to. I think it was more so the relationship and the ideologies that you know they had as a team didn't match up in the whole Gordon Hayward situation. So I feel a little bit more confident, and I think obviously – Kyrie has talked to his people. His people have talked to the Nets. They've, you know, Kyrie and Kenny have talked. I think he has an idea of what he's getting into. And a lot of, you know, NBA media has talked about how, you know, Kenny is more okay with being direct and aggressive and kind of telling you how it is, where Brad Stevens might not do that. So I think Kyrie might actually appreciate that and respect that a little bit more. So I feel feel pretty good about it. Obviously, there's always a chance that something bad could happen. And I don't really expect him to get benched because he's just that good of a player that you really can't bench a player that good, especially if you're you know, down six and you need a couple of buckets. There's not many guys you'd rather have out there than Kyrie Irving in the fourth quarter. Here's a good follow-up then. Do you expect Kyrie to be in that MVP conversation? I'm not ruling it out of the possibility. Yeah, I think that he was around that sort of mark when Boston were at their best. So... I mean, if you're talking about next year's MVP, uh, I think it's going to be incredibly stat because the talent is sort of a bit more spread out. I think you've ruled out Kawhi Leonard because he generally, you know, with the load manager sort of style, that dad is going to play, you know, more than, you know, 65, 70 games at most. But for the guys that generally play, you know, 70 games plus, and that's the thing with Kyrie Irving as well. Can we expect him to play 70 games plus? We know the Nets medical staff prefers to be a bit cautious with that sort of thing. But if he does, I certainly expect him to be in that sort of top five sort of range. You know, LeBron James, Stephen Curry, Anthony Davis, James Harden, Giannis, you know, those sort of names. Uh, I think Kyrie's going to have maybe one of the best seasons of his career um, in Brooklyn. And, you know, I think that because he's so motivated to prove the naysayers wrong and also because he's, he's chosen this environment, he's got, you know, two of his best friends around him. Uh, and he's, he's back home, as he said, he's back home in Brooklyn. That you expect all those culmination of factors to lead to a pretty successful uh, year ahead, but we'll have to wait and see. But uh, I, I think it's certainly a possibility. Yeah, statistically, his season was amazing last year. And like you said, Jack, he was starting to get a little MVP talk when Boston was good. Obviously, their season was literally a roller coaster all over the place. If the Nets have a really good season, they win, let's say, 50 games or something like that, and he's putting up huge numbers. I think he'll definitely be in the top five. I think obviously right off the bat, you put guys like Giannis, James Harden in front of him. Steph Curry's probably in front of him. And then probably one of AD or LeBron. I don't think they'll both be in the race. I think it'll be either one or one or the other. So there's definitely a chance. And he, we know he can play really good basketball. And I love the point Jack brought up that he'll be at home. And I think that really means a lot to him. And you'll see some of the best basketball we've seen from Kyrie Irving. Yeah, I'm actually going to put him maybe top three because he's going to Ooh. have a point to prove. Yeah. You know, everything that he endured with the Boston uh, roller coaster up and down, as you said, he's going to have something to prove here in Brooklyn. So he's going to want to hit the ground running. And one of the things that he won't have to worry about is Kevin Durant being there, probably taking up some of his stats. 
So you look at the combinations in L.A., A.D. and LeBron. You got Paul George and Kawhi. Uh, maybe Westbrook, you know, him not having Paul George there, he'll be putting up his triple-double triple numbers. But I wouldn't expect the win total to be there. So us definitely playing in the East would help. You know, Kawhi Leonard's now out in the West. And without Kevin Durant there, you know, I, I would expect Karis LeVert to take the step forward and to put up better numbers, and hopefully he can stay healthy for the entire season. But without that second superstar there to take up some of his stats, I could see the Nets actually winning 55 games, and that might be enough to get probably top two in the East, only behind the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, I mean, I think you look at it too, is even if Karras has a really good season, his his name doesn't really have that star pop. So it's not going to necessarily take votes away from Kyrie, even if he is really good or the rest of the team, where it'll be like, all right, Kyrie's the big name on this team. He's having a good season. And I do think the win total and the seeding will really matter because if they get like a 10-win jump, what they won 42 last year, they get a 10-win jump from adding Kyrie. Obviously, there's other parts involved too. I think that's a, that's a big pop. Yep. But, guys, you want to talk a little bit at starters? I know Jack and I have discussed this a little bit, but D-Rock, who do you think is starting next year on opening night? Well, I'll start with the backcourt. You definitely have to have Kyrie and Karis LeVert there. Karis LeVert played well. He had the injury, dislocated his ankle, came back. He had a little rocky start, but by the time the playoffs was around, he was near his form that he was at the beginning of the season. And we have to remember, before he went down with the ankle dislocation, I think he would have been the all-star had he had not gotten hurt, yep. not D'Angelo Russell. So I think those are the starters in the backcourt. Now, I had asked, um, forget his name. His name will come back to me in a minute. But uh, he's a writer on The Athletic. And um, Michael Scotto, there we go. Uh, Scotto, um, I asked him if he sees Kevin Durant as Sean Mark's perfect version of a four. And if we had Anthony Davis on the team, just the hypothetical, would Anthony Davis play the four and Kevin Durant play the three? Or would Anthony Davis be the five and Kevin Durant play the four? And his answer was essentially that Kevin Durant would be the four. So that's basically Sean Mark's perfect version of a power forward, a guy with Kevin Durant's skill set. So seeing that, I would have to say that the front court would be Jared Allen, I would keep Rodion's Kuruks there because uh, he, he was starting pretty much a majority of the year. Uh, I know he did get benched in favor of Jared Dudley, but he's no longer on the team. He's out there with LeBron. And I'm going to say we probably keep Joe Harris on the bench for the shooting and the spacing for the bench role. So I'm going to put Torian Prince as my three. So Jared Allen, Rodion's Kuruks, and Torian Prince in the front court. Kyrie Irving and Karis LeVert in the backcourt. D-Rock's never jumping on again. You do not slander my boy, Joe Harris. <laughs> I, I think that lineup would be extremely fun. That would be like the fastest Nets lineup they've thrown out in a while. You look at it across the board from Kyrie Irving, Karis LeVert, Torian Prince, Rodions, and Jared Allen. That's a team that can really get some action in transition. Obviously, I think the only concern with that lineup, and this would be a concern for the Nets going into last season, is rebounding because Jared Allen needed to take that stuff. It looks like Rodion's could help in that area and improve. Same thing with Torian Prince. But defensively, there's some real pop there, too. If Torian Prince can get back to how he played defense his rookie season instead of the way he played last year, we know we're expecting a jump from Rodion's, and Jared Allen's probably best skill is protecting the rim. Karis Avert obviously played some good defense, and Kyrie was better in Boston. So I think that's really going to be the dilemma. Like, do they go with starting Joe Harris or do they elect to go with one of the, the larger wings slash forwards in Torian Prince and Rodion's? Yeah, I think that Joe Harris comes off the bench because I think he's done it before. Um, and, I, and I think that despite the fact that uh, Torian Prince is a, a more than capable three-point shooter, I'm going to be looking into some of his video. Um, but I've looked into his defensive video that I'm going to be posting on Nets Republic soon. And, you know, he's got some, some nice defensive acumen. And when he was healthy... Um, for the most part, you know, he was a, a really capable defender. I think that it's it was his lack of health. And he said that to reporters too. But, you know, did you guys see the comments that Jared Allen made to reporters when he was asked about that starting spot? We heard our, we heard our boy swear, our, our good boy who's helping out the charity <laughs> in Brooklyn. He swore. Yeah, I was a little surprised. I mean, I guess I was 
Uh, yeah, I was a little surprised to see him say that, but I mean, that's kind of a good mentality you want to hear from Jared Allen because the question mark since the draft have been like, how much does he love basketball? And like, if he really wants to start, that's a positive message. And just throwing it out there, I still wouldn't be surprised if DeAndre Jordan started. Like that wouldn't surprise me. I think Jared Allen will still get more minutes, but DeAndre could be the starter. Yep, and you know, look at Jared Allen's skill set compared to DeAndre Jordan. You know, a little faster going up and down the court, but uh, you would use DeAndre Jordan for bigger centers like a Joel Embiid. So maybe you would uh, play Jared Allen a few less starter minutes when you got a bigger center that yep. you got to bang down there with. But, you know, just for his maturation and his continued growth, you got to, and for his confidence as well, I think you'd have to start him. And hopefully DeAndre Jordan would have that conversation with Kenny to understand, you know, we got to continue building him up because uh, he's definitely here for the long term. 100%. Jack, what do you think about it? Yeah, I think that's the number one thing uh, that makes the the most sense that we're going to be looking for. You know, the, that center that center battle. You know, DeAndre, how you know, how set is he on being that starter? You know, he obviously was backing up uh, in New York to Mitch Robinson, and you know there were rumblings that you know he wasn't necessarily happy with that, but he was also you know a really good vet. Uh, it was more just like you know the communication and, and the vibes around the locker room uh, and in New York in general. So. You know, I think we could see, you know, like you sort of mentioned and alluded to, Nick, that DeAndre is almost a, a better version of Ed Davis to an extent, despite the fact that I think Ed Davis probably tries a little bit harder. You know, I think you can't necessarily count what we saw in, in Dallas and New York as the as the peak sort of version of what we think DeAndre Jordan will be going into next season. I think that, you know, Coach Kenny's going to be a little bit harder on him. You know, DeAndre is not really hasn't really tried on defense last season at all. And if he's not going to, then that's where you go, look, if you're not trying on defense, then we've got a guy who can protect the room at a pretty high rate and has blocked every superstar in the freaking league. So if you're not going to be trying out there and at least protecting the rim for us and rebounding defensively and offensively, then we'll put in our boy Jared Allen. So I think that competition hopefully breeds success from both of these two. Uh, but like we've sort of spoken about, with that competition, there could also be a little bit of friction. But it's how how it's sort of managed by by the staff and the assistant coaches and everything around that. I think that, you know, the assistant coaches have been such an important part uh, of Brooklyn Nets sort of building the culture and the, the, the small amount of success that they have had so far, um, how they develop the relationships with the, with the guys uh, in there and how they sort of communicate along the lines is going to be incredibly important too. Yeah, I agree. And I think obviously it helps having guys like Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, who you just did an excellent thread on, Jack, with a relationship that Katie and DeAndre have. Maybe it can help motivate him. And we've mentioned this a couple shows. Some of these veterans, I think, will benefit from the medical team, the performance team, getting their bodies 100% and making it a little bit easier for them to put a little bit more effort on the floor. And I guess to defend DeAndre to an extent, in Dallas and probably in New York, neither team was really a playoff team or had a shot at the playoffs. Maybe he'll have a little bit more motivation with that in mind. Mm-hmm. Before we get out of here, what net do you think is being slept on this offseason? Obviously, there's been a lot of talk about the roster and thing, but which guy do you think is not getting enough love that's going to have a big season next year? Hmm, that's a good question. I would have to say Rodion's Kurooks. I see the skill set, and looking at him, he's probably better in a reserved role because he works hard. But if you compare them to some of the starters in the league, he doesn't have necessarily their their talent level. But he works hard at his game. And one of the things that uh, concerned me last season was his lack of weight. He's a pretty slender dude. Looking at him in the summer league today, he looked like he added about 20 pounds. So he's kind of like a bruiser that plays with energy, high motor, doesn't stop, always moving. You know, he can set the picks and definitely roll to the basket. He can pick and pop. Uh, if he crafts his skills to where he's hitting the three ball on a more consistent basis and he's continuing to do the things that he's been doing already, uh, I'm, I'm not ready to say that he'd be a most improved candidate. I don't think normally you'd get that uh, with the second year in the league. Maybe you'd have to wait for the third year. But I could definitely see a big jump, uh, probably about six or seven points more per game 
uh, probably about three or four more rebounds per game. And, you know, with the attention now that everybody else will be getting out there because you got Kyrie, you got Karras, you got Torrey and Prince now, uh, the, the floor is a lot more open now than it would have been. You know, Jared Allen could also uh, step out. He's not going to necessarily consistently stretch the floor because he doesn't hit it at a good enough clip to do so. But definitely with a lot more floor spacing out there, you would see his production go up a lot more. Uh, so he'd be my candidate for the person that's being slept on but would have a surprisingly good season. Yeah, I think Rodens is going to have a lot to prove heading into this season. And obviously, you know, um, we, we saw just glimpses of his talent that sort of D-Rock was speaking to. You know, I've, I've spoken about how much I like him as a, a defensive prospect. Um, you know, I'm going to go with probably one that I, I don't, I'm not sure how much he's being slept on, but, you know, maybe it's because I was literally just doing so much video research on him yesterday. But I'm going with Torian Prince because... You know, he's got a history, obviously, with Coach Kenny and some of the coaches in, in Long Island as well. Um, and I think that he's going to point to prove at the same time. Um, you know, I think that he fits almost perfectly in this net system on both ends of the floor. He's got size about him that I think is going to help him defensively. Uh, and I think he's going to be motivated to, to do well on that end of the floor or else you know, Coach Kenny's going to be giving him those starter minutes because like you sort of said, we were talking about, you've got Joe Harrison, Rodion's Kouritz, who's going to be at least trying on that end of the floor. Uh, but I think Torian Prince has the best defensive capabilities of those guys. You know, when I was, the videos I'm going to be posting, you know, he stripped the likes of Kevin Durant and Al Horford and LeBron James. Um, so a little bit of a sneak preview for that. You know, he, he can place a pretty bloody good man-to-man defense. And on the offensive end, you know, he can drive a little bit like a Damari Carroll uh, but he can hit the three ball at a lot higher clip. Obviously, he's peaking at the right time. He's in a contract year as well. So I think that culmination of factors should see us, obviously, uh, a career year from Torian Prince. And, you know, he seems to be really buying into the sort of scheme, uh, obviously giving up his number to his boy Wilson Chandler as well. So uh, I'm really excited to see Torian Prince in a Brooklyn Nets uniform. Yeah, both great picks. I mean, easily could have won with both those guys. I think Rodion's obviously being an international player, being a second-round pick, not necessarily having the flashiest skill set, doesn't get a ton of love. And then that Torian Prince front, like you mentioned, Jack, I think the defensive tools are there. Three-point clip is nice. And when I watched some of his tape, it looked like he's a better driver and he can pass the ball a little bit more than I anticipated. It wasn't like any type of playmaker, but he looked okay in that situation. And it seems like people forgot that we even acquired Torian Prince, that he's just kind of like a throw into the Allen Crabb salary dump. So I think he's a guy that can have a big year. I'm going to go, obviously, you know, this is pretty predictable. I'm going to go with Karis LeVert because I feel like no one's really talking about the Nets having him. You hear a lot of like, hey, the Nets have Spencer Dinwiddie on that roster, Joe Harris, and they have Karis LeVert too, who, like D-Rock mentioned earlier, when healthy, was probably going to be the Nets all-star and probably have a really good chance of winning most improved. So I'm hoping he can build off that playoff experience we saw last year. He talked about it after that uh, series that he wanted to get right in the gym. We already saw him in his relationship with Kyrie Irving posting that pick, like Jack mentioned, on Rock Nation. So I think there's a jump for Karis LeVert to have this year, and I think it's perfect timing because it's right before Kevin Durant's going to come back the following season. So there's enough touches for him to expand his game a little bit more before they're fully complete. The fact that we all had three different answers just shows that, you know, there's depth on this roster um, that not a lot of teams have when they, you know, acquire such superstars. The Clippers are in a similar sort of position despite giving up, you know, uh, an absolute haul for Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. They still have such a, a, a deep amount of depth when it comes to, you know, their roster talent. I think that that's what leads to championships. You know, we saw it in Toronto. We saw it in Golden State when they were at, in their heyday. You know, you've got to go eight deep or so uh, and during the regular season, maybe even nine or 10 deep, so you can sort of give those minutes uh, around the wings and keep you guys healthy. So I think it's a real positive that we sort of all had different answers. And he easily could have went with Joe Harris too, because I yep. think he's a guy who's going to get more good shots than he's ever seen in his career. Because, yep. you know, we'll say what we want to say last year, the Nets team won 42 games, but they weren't super stacked. Like Kyrie's getting a lot more gravity than D'Angelo Russell, and then the other guys make the improvement. Joe Harris isn't going to have to shoot as many contested threes. Yeah, I think uh, when I was sort of, um, when I did the Kyrie Irving passing breakdown uh, for Nets Republic, you know, there would be so many times where he would draw those two defenders and he would kick it out to, you know, Marcus Morris, a Jason Tatum, and Al Horford. When you have the best three-point shooter in the league, obviously, you know, his player performances weren't great. But, you know, during the regular season, he was, you know, the best three-point shooter. You know, and I think Torian Prince as well is another guy that can hit him. So if he's in similar lineups with, with Torian Prince, with Kyrie Irving, there's three three-point shooters already. And if Kyle Severta improves his shot, we know how important it is 
to shoot that three ball in Coach Kenny's offensive system. And, you know, Joe Harris is one of the best at it. Yeah. D-Rock, any questions you have for us or any thoughts you want to get out of there before we get out of the show? Yeah, I got one. What player, which player on the team do you have a concern of may take a step back from expectations? That's a good one. Jack, you go first. Um, I'm not a, as much as I'm like ridiculously high in Carol Savert, maybe not as high as Nick. I, I'm still worried. Um, not necessarily worried. I think worried is too strong of a word, but you know, I have my reservations about the three point shot. And I think that, you know, when you're playing with Kari Irving, a ball, a ball dominant guy, whereas Carol Savert works best with the ball in his hands and driving at will. Um, I'm confident coach kind of getting the best out of them, but I'm not necessarily sure that we're going to see you know, Karis Levert be the, the absolute supreme version of himself that we've seen before. You know, obviously he's going to have to develop a, some sort of a rapport with, with Kyrie Irving, as they've already got. Um, I'm not necessarily worried about anyone, but I think that seeing the fullest version of Karis Levert is one thing. I think, you know, a guy like Jean Moussa, I don't think he's going to get a, a, a heap of time. Uh, I, I think that, you know, chatting to Nick a little bit about his summer league form, you know, he hasn't necessarily proved a heap, but he is motivated. Um, and, and I'm hoping that we see, um, this isn't something I'm worried about, but I'm hoping we see some time for a guy like Nicholas Claxton, despite the fact that, you know, those big minutes will generally go towards Jared Allen and Deontre Gordon. You know, I think that he's got a lot of tools that I think can impact winning basketball. Uh, and, and I've seen that, you know, already a little bit in summer league and in some breakdowns that I've done of him too. So uh, I think Council Ed might be the main one. Maybe Joe Harris has a lull in his three-point shooting. Can't necessarily see that happening. Maybe Spencer Dinwoody um, and him and Kyrie Irving have too many intellectual conversations and they clash about <laughs> governmental schemes in, in the Western civilization. I have no idea. But I can't necessarily see too many. Um, and I think that's a positive thing. But I don't think that there's that many to worry about at this sort of stage. You know, for me, the number one thing is that sort of uh, the relationship between Coach Kenny and Kyrie Irving. Yeah, I think that relationship, the chemistry, you're hoping they can kind of – obviously last year was like peak chemistry for a team. It looked like arguably, you know, a team that just had fun every single night. Hopefully they can get to that level. We know there's already a lot of relationships. And I think that's a fair concern for Karras in terms of his offensive skill set. Will we see the best offensive form of Karras? I think even on the downside where maybe he's not as good as offensive player, he'll take steps as a defensive player. And then um, maybe Jared Allen. Maybe there's a little bit of concern with Jared Allen. I just watched Summer League. He didn't play great. Obviously, it's summer league, so everything's with a grain of salt. But with a guy, DeAndre, already there that's more experienced and kind of give you the rebounding that Jared Allen can't give you, maybe he doesn't get as many minutes or opportunities we'd hope going to the year. And there's pressure from, you know, the vets like Kyrie and KD to get DeAndre some more minutes before he kind of gets up there in age. So that'd be the only thing. But I also think that Jared Allen could, you know, benefit from being pushed by DeAndre and him having to work harder to get those minutes. Yeah, Jared Allen would be my answer, and I'm looking at the dynamics of the offense, uh, which is where I expect most of the disappointment to happen because Kyrie Irving can drive to the hole. Karis LeVert, he's better attacking the paint. Spencer Dinwiddie, he's better attacking the paint. So those are three guys that are going to break down the defense. So he has to be ready to hold his position you know, be able to catch the lobs, be able to maybe catch the miss and put back. And those are aspects of the game that DeAndre Jordan is a is a bit better at him, is a, is a bit better at, at this particular time in his career. So just that aspect, because if you have those three guys driving, you know, all three of them are not going to play at the same time. Uh, but, you know, I, I would be, I'd be cautious about, Kenny Atkinson wanted him to stand in the corner to shoot threes because uh, he definitely has to be a very strong role man. He has to be ready to catch that ball whenever it's passed to him and to be able to finish with authority. Uh, if if he, if he starts to drift or if he's not confident in his skills and you know seeing what he's working on this summer, I didn't really read too many stories about things that he's working on besides the three point shot. And to me, that's a concern as well because I look at performances in the playoffs against a guy like Boban Marjanovic, who killed him from the mid-range. And we know Kenny Atkinson, um, I wouldn't say he wants them to shy away from that shot, but, you know, if it's there and it's available and it's a good shot if you're open, I think you should have the ability to take it and make it and have the confidence to do so. So if he hasn't mastered that shot, 
than him stepping out to the corners to shoot three-pointers, where I think he's probably hit maybe three all season last year. Um, that could do a lot to destroy his confidence. So he'd be my candidate for a person that may disappoint most um, just seeing his role there, and, and which would mean that he'd have to step it up big time on defense, um, which we know he's capable of doing. You know, he's blocked, you know, many a stars last season from LeBron to Giannis. Uh, so he definitely hold it down in that area, but just offensively, uh, for everything to click, he has to be ready to perform, you know, right out the gate. Uh, so that's just my concern there with him. Yeah. And I think you'd want to see Jordan be a little bit like meaner, just a little bit more aggressive, bring some physicality, a little bit of more toughness, you know, obviously that'll come with age, but Jack, anything else you want to throw out there in terms of question or thoughts before I get out of here? No, I think that was a good one. Really interesting sort of how this sort of team develops, you know, like we've sort of, you know, spoken at length, you know, the spotlight is now on in Brooklyn with Kyrie Irving leading the way, how they sort of respond and uh, the preseason, you know, the summer league's already been getting little tidbits about how, you know, Jared Allen is underperforming a little bit and, you know, Rodan's course is, is, is stepping up. But, you know, come season regular, uh, I'm looking forward and hopefully there's a clean bill of health outside of Kevin Durant so we can attack the season with full gusto. Yeah, and it's still a couple months for these guys to develop some more to their skills side and work on their game, add some more weight. You know, it's only July, so still plenty of time to add more muscle too. D-Rock, pleasure having you on. Appreciate all the support you have for the show. Hopefully Jack and I will be at some more Brooklyn Nets games to catch up with you. Jack, always a pleasure. And check us out, iTunes, Bob Talk Radio, otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, Google Play, Dash Radio, and YouTube, Spotify coming soon. All right. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 US report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.